This is Anthony Noto reporting from New York Comic Con 2018. I got the chance to sit down with two trailblazers in the digital comics industry, Michael Son of Tapas Media and Tom Akel, head of content for Webtoons. In this interview, we discuss current industry trends, how each company makes their bucks, how new artists and writers can get involved, and why going digital doesn't necessarily mean the death of print. Hope you enjoy. All right, so Tom and Michael, uh, you're here at New York Comic Con. As always, it's a hectic crowd. Uh, I noticed you guys don't show up in costume. (laughs) Are you guys beyond that fanboy phase, or do you secretly wish that you can come and enjoy uh, this event like everyone else does. I secretly wish that I could come enjoy the event <laughs> like everyone else does and wear my Chewbacca costume. Yes. <laughs> okay. Very much. Yeah, I mean, I would love to attend more panels. Uh, I make it a, I make it a thing where for San Diego Comic Con, at least I take one day to myself so I can enjoy like Hall H or cosplay. Nice. Um, but at New York Comic Con, we were on a kind of a tighter schedule this year, so not able to to bust out the Kylo Ren. All right. So, uh, Tom, you would dress up as Chewbacca. Michael, what what would be your uh, cosplay uh, outfit of choice? Either Sailor Moon or Kylo Ren, I would say. Okay, yeah, one of right. the two. Yeah. So I'm wearing, I'm sporting a mustache now because of this show that I'm in. It takes place in the 20s, so I thought it'd be fit to I grow this a, was a cosplay of Henry Cavill. <laughs> that, yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I was like, I'm gonna wear my Superman T-shirt. I'm gonna be pre-CGI Henry Cavill in Justice League. Yeah. yeah, or Cesar Romero in Batman 66. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I, I, I'm glad to sit down with you guys because, you know, as I mentioned before, um, I'm a big comic book fan, uh, but I'm, I'm not really a digital comics fan. And as an illustrator, in addition to writing, I've always, uh, it's piqued my interest, but I I'm, I'm, haven't been following uh, digital comics and the writers and creators, so I want to be a fan of it. And so in your own words, uh, what do you say to people when to try to get them to read comics and content on the platform? Well, for us, uh, one, it's free. So that makes life a little easier in terms of not having to spend money on something right. that you're not sure if you'll like or not yet. Um, we have an incredibly diverse lineup and, and a lineup that I would say rivals Image Comics these days. So if you're a fan of print, you're going to find, uh, for Webtoon creators who you're already a fan of, like Warren Ellis and Fabian Seiza and Riley Brown and Sanford Green and Ryan Benjamin and Katie Cook and you know the list kind of goes on and on and on from there. So if you're a fan of print, you'll find those creators that you're familiar with telling stories in a format that is different and new, but also super exciting and still, still comics, just a different kind. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, one of the big selling points for digital platforms is you're going to find stories that you can't find anywhere else. Um, a lot of the genres that do really well on top of this might not be very mainstream. I mean, uh, Boys Love is like a huge, huge genre uh, on our platform, and that's kind of not in the mainstream yet. Uh, yep. But I do think it's like an emerging market for sure. Um, you know, fantasy romance are the other top two or top three uh, genres on our platform as well. So if you're interested in that, like this is the place to go. And you're going to find like non-traditional fantasy, non-traditional romance. And I think that's very, very exciting. So now are you two, you're two arrivals. Yeah, Is it safe to I say that? Somewhat. <laughs> uh, how do you sort of um, differentiate yourselves from each other? I mean, it seems like the content you offer, um, you know, sp- spans all different types of genres, uh, appeals to all different types of audiences. Uh, what makes Webtoons uh, different from a platform like Tapas? So, you know, I'm going to, I'll say that I don't think I don't really look at and we as a company don't look at any of, of the other comic platforms as competitors truly okay. I mean our, our competitors are anything that's competing for your mind share on your phone okay. right so it's just as much Netflix or a mobile game or YouTube 
as it is tapas or made fire or comicsology. Um, I do think, I also think, and I, I mean this very sincerely, is that, you know, it's all additive. You know, the more companies making comics in these formats just adds to the overall pool of people who will find it a viable option for them, yeah. and we all grow together. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the the things that I really love about both Made Fire and Webtoons is that we're giving more creators more options in order to monetize, make sure that this industry is thriving. I mean, it's very nascent in the United States, but it's an established thing in South Korea and Southeast Asia. Um, and we're really just trying to figure out a way to translate that to like a U.S. Uh, market. So that's sort of the beauty of, I guess, modern comics is that Back in the day, I mean, there was immense competition. I mean, you had sort of bitter rivalry and hatred between the two, the big two, uh, the distinguished competition, as Stanley used to call it. Um, but like now, it's, it seems like it's just friendly, and that the power is in the hands of the creator. Um, can an artist come to Webtoons and also go to Tapas, or do you have an exclusive right to that? IP that they brought to you. If it's if it's on our Discover platform, they can put it anywhere they want. Um, it's completely non-exclusive. They own all of their rights. They're free to take it up, put it down. Um, I, there are, frankly, uh, probably hundreds, if not thousands, of creators publishing the same title on both yeah. of our, both of these platforms. <laughs> yeah. In addition to God knows how many how many else. But now you, you there's if a, what if we're in, if it's a featured title that we publish? We are the exclusive publisher of said title. Right. So that and that was my next question. How do you get from a Discover title to becoming a feature title? So it's it's a combination of things. Um, one is quality, right? Uh, and that's obviously a little subjective. And you know, the entire editorial team is constantly reviewing titles in Discover. We do run contests. So we just finished, uh, gosh, I think our fourth contest in, in four years, where we have the eight finalists of which came with us to New York Comic Con. Okay. Uh, one of those will be the grand prize winner, but they'll all be moving to featured. And then you know, it, it's what are our needs, right? So <laughs> the same as. As Michael just mentioned about tapas, you know, romance is a very, very popular genre. Manga romance is our largest genre, so there it might be more difficult to break through because we have so much of it. Regardless of quality, we're still always looking for great stuff. Um, where horror is more of a need right now, so horror, if the quality horror title pops up and gains traction, that's something that we look at. And, and then the, I guess, the last thing for us is sort of, does it have traction? Right? Like, it doesn't have to. Um, titles like Darby didn't have a ton of traction in the Discover platform, but the quality was so great, and we had nothing else like it. We moved it to featured very quickly. Mm. Um, but if something has a hundred thousand subscribers, or you know, we'll, you know, <laughs> we pay attention. So it, it's almost like a YouTube kind of model, where it's like if you're a content creator on YouTube, you get the clicks and the the traffic. YouTube will sort of take that on as like a YouTube Red or uh, some somewhat of an exclusive ad revenue type of video. Yeah, so it's it's very it's very similar to YouTube and, and to Pastic in in that you know anybody can upload um, and. They can sometimes they have a lot of success and don't want to go to featured and, and that's fine as well. We have massive hits in Discover like which are non-exclusive like Sarah Scribbles and um, Black a Daisy that that are not only here they're probably there they're probably on Go Comics they're on DeviantArt um, and who knows where else. But um, yeah, when it does go to featured it, it's a little I think you know it's it's a little, little less YouTube Red and more Netflix. Okay. <laughs> and okay. I don't mean that to disparage YouTube Red I'm just in terms of the model. Okay. Uh, it's, it's more similar to that. I right, so and um, for tapas, I mean, what's the um, the difference between is is there a difference between content that is is posted by the creator versus stuff that's a little bit more exclusive and special? Yeah, for sure. So we have tapas exclusives as well as tapas originals. Um, anyone can post on the on the website. Um, 
a lot of the the comics on our mobile app and website are free to read um, but there is like a subset of creators that want to sort of take uh, their careers to the next level and want to directly monetize off of their comics uh, or novels and we work directly with them and that requires some exclusivity for sure um, sometimes we still allow for simultaneous publishing on patreon um, we don't want to cut off any revenue streams we just want to diversify them for creators um, but again one of the challenges is like not every creator is comfortable with selling their comics um, so we really do have to identify which creators want to take part and really try to figure out like what tools are we building or what tools we've built that really synergizes with what they define as successful and I know you, we talked about this on uh, the panel um, which was great by the way the mod, what was it called the digital digital age of comics digital, digital age of comics and it really made me want to become a, a digital comic reader uh, one thing that you guys talked about was um, monetization yep. and I know that um, you got the question um, Michael I'm Tom uh, a few times before where does Webtoons <laughs> get its money yeah <laughs> and I have to admit I told a friend of mine who uh, works for Comics Beat uh, that I was going to be speaking with you and she's that type of person who has her ear to the ground knows a lot of different people uh, she's interviewed countless people at comic cons and she was like ask them where they get their money <laughs> so it's still even though you've answered it many many times i still think people are a little bit uh, clueless as to how webtoons is so successful so why don't you walk us through that one more time sure so uh we get our money our parent company is neighbor corporation which is a tech giant in korea and you can kind of think of them as google over there and okay. you know our global readership is over 50 million uh, monthly unique users so we monetize in korea in a variety of ways uh primarily ad-based and there's god knows how many models of ad-based uh programs that we're running over there um there's integrated marketing there's a pay-ahead model where users can buy chapters if the creator has chapters ready the week before that'll release for free the following week but you can kind of get ahead and then we monetize all kinds of derivative work film television video games consumer products uh, the whole gamut right so that funds our global expansion yeah uh, so on terms of how we monetize how we make money right now we are still in a growth phase probably probably much like the past we're all sort of most of these most comic companies haven't been around very long. I think Comixology is even only celebrating their digital comic companies celebrating their 10-year anniversary last year. Yeah. So everybody's still kind of in some sort of a growth phase. Um, we're in year four and a half-ish in the U.S. Still in the startup. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, but, you got that big corporate umbrella to, like, I guess, for support. Yes. So okay. yeah, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without that. Um, at least not the way we do it. Since we also so in terms of creators, anyone in featured gets paid uh, what we consider a highly competitive uh, pay, I'm using air quotes on a, on a podcast <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, page rate right okay. so we, they get a rate per chapter um, it, it varies dramatically based on a lot of factors um, sort of uh, you know what, what the market dictates as well as what the length of it is the style of it is how, how frequently they publish all those things so the rates vary but um, they all get a they all get a guaranteed rate in addition to supplemental back end based on performance right and then discover creators the last two years monetized primarily through our partnership with patreon we had a million dollar discover fund which we fully exhausted and gone beyond um, last year where creators could earn uh, money just again based on tiers where they would set up their patreon account they can sync it right in the app and we would contribute to that okay. and then on top of now we're migrating that over to a ad model which the beta of which launched just a couple months ago um, and that's gaining a lot of traction so discover creators will earn ad revenue now so discover creators will so webtoons will contribute to the patreon page we were for two and a half years okay um, we well, just we're migrating that though to ad I revenue see, okay. that was to offset 
the ability for creators to make money. Okay. That, that partnership kind of forged out of a, you know, we're in the U.S., how are creators going to make money on our platform? It's very unclear what the path to feature it is. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, immediately we're like, well, we need some sort of a system. Like, I, I understand how I make money in a print shop. I understand how I monetize if I sell my title a la carte on some uh, platform like Comixology yeah. um, or Mayfire. Um, but I don't know how to, I don't, it's not clear to me how I make money on Webtoon. So right, we right, launched right. that program to make that very, very clear. Excellent. <laughs> and Tapas? Um, so on top of this, uh, creators are able to, uh, premium creators are able to sell their content directly to consumers. Um, but, you know, like the biggest hurdle that we have is like a lot of our readers are really young, don't have access to credit cards or disposable income. So it was really important for us to take a look at, hey, how are other apps uh, empowering their users to sort of support the creators? Um, and one of the things that we looked at were mobile app games like Candy Crush. Um, and we decided to start serving video ads to readers, um, and that way they're able to sort of watch video ads, gain um, digital coins that can be exchanged for U.S. dollars, and that's a direct way for them to support creators. So we have a direct sales model, uh, as well as an ad revenue program. Um, we have a tipping program as well, where you can just altruistically tip creators, whatever uh, you think uh, is uh, appropriate. Um, there is no uh, reward-based compensation for that. Mm-hmm. So if you're tipping a creator, you're just tipping the creator. Um, and we and that's been growing month to month. So it goes to show that readers do want to support creators. It's just about how do you empower those readers to help support creators more. Okay. Uh, so there are sales teams in place to sort of, I guess, support that structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you talked a little bit about, Michael, you talked a little bit about hiring editors to uh, proofread some stuff before yeah. it goes up on the website. Yeah. What's that hiring process like? Um, I might be asking for myself. <laughs> uh, for so we have a team of five full-time editors right now. Okay. Um, we have a pretty extreme vetting process to see who, what kind of editor works for us. I mean, uh, originally we were seeking out editors that worked in print publishing, um, but we found that we really needed to find like digital native editors, um, people that really understood and were willing to learn more about the Webtoon format. Um, and so we went about creating internal bibles and guidelines as like do's and don'ts um for the comics and yeah we've just gone from there and uh you tom repeat the question oh i'm sorry do you have editors in place to make sure content is all crisp and clean yes so for featured creators everyone's assigned that assigned an editor i believe our editorial team is around nine right now we've just grown it over the the past year by four or five um basically doubled in size uh, quickly because we just have this as we grow we had that need uh, we do not have dedicated editors to anybody in discover because there's 38,000 titles in there yeah, yeah. so like I said on the panel we don't have 38,000 editors but um, we do provide support for them in whatever ways we can through we have a dedicated um, employee to discover she's our discover representative um, who's usually available we have a pretty robust social media platform and, and we're very responsive there and we have uh, similar do's and don'ts online on in, in the app for people to read and we're at as many cons as possible so we do portfolio reviews at every every con we exhibit at we do portfolio reviews we'll try and meet with creators set up time to review their title give them advice um, and make ourselves as available as we humanly can so that goes into my next question if, if I know so many uh, brilliant artists um, that haven't delved into comics but they could probably be great at it um, say you meet an artist or an artist is interested in um, working on a title for um uh, digital distribution. Um, how does he or she go about, um, I guess, structuring a comic in a way where it, you get that long scroll that we were talking about 
and uh, on the panel like those never-ending just to keep the thumb moving and keep people invested onto that on that page it seems like that's kind of a tricky thing to master yeah. um, I'm sure Michi who is on the panel you know she's worked with you on, for, on with Tapas yeah. I mean her artists figured that out but a lot of artists that's it's very foreign to them mm-hmm. are there uh, support structures in place where or advisors I should say mm-hmm. on uh, to give these artists some sort of background or an education on how to uh, bring their content uh, to a, a, a digital platform yeah we specifically have a chapter in what we call Lozels it's a kind of a in-house blog it's, it's, it's listed as a title and in that there is a there's a whole instructional on, on exactly how to do what you just like described tutorials and yeah. stuff and then if they move to the feature they're working hand in glove with an editor right yeah, so yeah. That, that obviously that every thumbnail is reviewed and discussed and shot back and forth and I can tell you the sort of number of times I've redone all the thumbnails myself <laughs> yeah, in Photoshop yeah. and shoot it back and it's like ah I get it now you okay. know it takes a beat but they get it so so well does Tapas have something similar in place oh yeah absolutely um, I mean for all the premium creators that work directly with editors obviously the same situation but we also just point a lot of creators to titles that are already performing really well and right. doing a good example I mean we even point creators to some titles on webtoons that do it really really well um, and so I think it's still new definitely to US creators or like global creators outside of like Korea um, so I do think there is a learning curve but kind of putting into context it's like when you as a comic creator are trying to accomplish something on a two-page splash uh, in traditional medium uh, you have to sort of tackle the same mindset with a vertical format where it's like okay if you're gonna do an infinite scroll what's like the purpose of utilizing it in that way um, so trying to sort of get your mindset around that yeah. okay so basically it's not it's so when you said it's less like youtube and more like a netflix you were right because it's not it doesn't seem like it's just an opportunity for um a young artist to just make a comic and throw it up on the web i mean it seems like it's a it's a little bit more strict than that oh no it's not strict i mean anybody who wants can upload to the platform there's all kinds of content up there and and we encourage that i would say in order to gain an audience and be really successful you have to be good at your craft right Right, so anybody should be in there and just refining it what michael said is something we i highly encourage anyone who wants to do this it's it's, you wouldn't write a novel if you didn't read novels you wouldn't make a print comic (laughs) if you weren't a fan and read a lot of print comics you wouldn't try and make movies or tv shows if you weren't immersed in the in the format right um you know what people seem to do is try to pick up one of these new digital platforms and just i'm going to throw my thing up there and it's going to be great that's that's where you, you kind of hit a wall right instead of read all the stuff that's already successful on these platforms and understand the audience that's there and the formats that are working the same way you would if you were writing a scripted television show yeah. you, you have seen everything from the 70s through Breaking Bad and <laughs> Mad Men and, and Walking Dead right yeah, yeah. and Game of Thrones and you study those formats um, it's, it's no different here you know if you want to learn this format you have to read Let's Play and Siren's Lament but that's it you know. anything yeah. Dad? Um, I mean biggest advice for creators is to try every platform possible um, you know, we highly recommend that you try out Webtoons, Tapas, um, just to see what works for you, um, as well as, again, like referencing the top titles on both platforms and really learning from that. Yeah. Um, and let's try to get a little bit fun now. I mean, w- what inspired you guys to start working in comics? I know you, Tom, you said you've worked at um, MTV before this. Uh, you also collaborated with the great Stan Lee. Uh, what is what, what, what inspired you to get involved with digital comics? Uh, well, inspiration in general for comics is just you know since i was a kid superheroes were the biggest thing so obviously i grew up with with super friends and secret wars and you know reading books and my father um would sit at my bedside was a child i never forgot it would make up superhero stories it was my bedtime stories (laughs) and i do something similar with my daughter now you know um so that kind of you know that was 
my youth and you know once you're a comic fan and in, the, in high school buying comics and going to the shop and having a pull list um, you know falls off a little bit in college and you kind of refine it again usually that's after right, that yeah. uh, so that's that's the comic side of it for me digital is is uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a digital native even if I'm a skew a little older maybe yeah, yeah. but my whole career has been in digital my, my master's is from Parsons in design and technology I started Comedy Central and Spike TV's mobile divisions and then was executive producer of MTV Digital so I managed all the all the content for the television shows as well as a bunch of other areas and in, in those in those roles at those companies I got to dabble in comics a little bit so I got to work with Robert Kirkman on the Battle Book Animated Series and Stan Lee on his ringtones and uh, a company called Arcana a Canadian comic company and animated series and some of the guys from Marvel um, over the Spike and Comedy Central years and then at MTV got to start MTV Comics and MTV Geek uh, and it, you know it kind of spiraled from there until um, where I am now now were you in the, at Webtoons during those very early days or how did you did they poach you like you uh, seem like a like a like a, a good talent to score for them oh thank you <laughs> that's very kind of you uh, I came um, through friend uh, Yuko Kobayashi who was a pal at the time um, had connections at Line Corporation which was our one of our sister apps the line messaging app and they were looking for somebody to come into the u.s who kind of knew the market and uh i was recommended to webtoon through stanley's office um having worked for them for so many years and just kind of came in and you know no one had heard of webtoon but if you kind of just do a little scratch you're like wait a minute this this could be massive and it's already incredibly successful and it's under the radar you know, so an opportunity like that just was really, really exciting. And I got to come in and meet with the founder. Um, he, you know, spent a couple of hours asking questions. And I just, you know, explained how I would go about doing this. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm there. Now, Michael, you did it the old-fashioned way. I guess you, you started out as an intern. Yeah. And then worked your way up. Yeah. So I was actually still in college when Tapas first found me. Uh, I was teaching a class on how to make comics. I was like a student-run facilitation program. Uh, and the co-founder uh, came to one of the lectures, fell asleep. Afterwards, was like, hey, I got this cool idea. You want to join? Um, started off unpaid intern, worked my way up. Uh, so I've been there for about six years now. Um, and I've always wanted to build something from the ground up. I've always wanted to work in comics. I just didn't know to what capacity I would work in comics. Like, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a writer. And then I found that... Uh, even though you want those things, you might not actually be good at it. <laughs> and that my um, my strengths really lied in editorial and talking to creators, getting to know them, figuring out, okay, um, maybe monetization doesn't mean the whole world to every creator. Maybe it's readership. And it's really about understanding what the creator needs and building the right tools around them. And one of the beautiful things about Tapas is I feel that it's always a work in progress and that we're always trying to learn and build better tools to help service this like, community. Yeah. Okay, great. I just have uh, two more questions, and then I'll let you just go. Um, the beautiful thing about uh, a digital platform like Tapas and Webtoons is that it, it's, it helps comics go global. Um, how do you approach something like... Well, I guess my question is, what's the globalization process like? I mean, you have uh, Korean, back, uh, Korean backing, uh, South Korean backing to be specific, and... Um, are there uh, translations to the um, embedded in the in the platform so people can read the comic in, in different languages? Yes. Um, and also, um, what are the differences between certain markets uh, within the United States, say like New York versus LA, or versus or United States versus uh, something like South Korea? Uh, so, in terms of the globalization process, we have 
different versions of the app for different regions that are in those native languages, right? So China has the Chinese version, Korea has the Korean version, Japan has the Japanese version, Indonesia has their own version, Taiwan. Um, so each of those are managed by their own editorial teams. And there is the ability to do fan translation within the app. That's part of the product. So fans will sometimes translate content and you can see all the, it'll be tagged how many languages, I, think, I forget how many, Sirens Laments is probably in 20. Oh, wow. um, and you kind of, I'm, I'm pulling that number out of the air, but I think I know it's a lot. Uh, and you can kind of just change your language to read it. Uh, in terms of anything that goes into featured, we do, we have, we have an outsource, we outsource to a translation company and localize to whatever language if the editorial team in that region wants that title from a different region, right? So, you know, we will internally review titles from Korea or Indonesia mm -hmm. um, we're just going to start to look at some of the ones from Japan and, and, and see if there are any that make sense for the market and obviously you know the content from Korea was where we started so that was the first content ever in the app and it's, it's already fan based for that style of content for the manhwa uh, uh, sorry the second half of the question was I guess the, the, the difference the, between the, oh difference uh, between markets different markets, markets right yeah. Um, yeah they're different um, you know digital comics are massive in Asia more than they are in the, although we do have way larger numbers across all the digital comic apps than there is in print, um, they have been for a long time the predominant form of, of comics um, in Asia. And then stylistically, there's a little bit more ubiquity in Asia than there is in the U.S. The styles here are much more diverse. The audience is much more diverse. Um, you know, the, it's the great American melting pot, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah, you have to take that in consideration. And it's not just New York or LA, it's the Midwest, it's North, it's South. Um, you know, we're in a lot of markets, you know, we service anywhere where people are reading the app, our team in the, in the English language. So, you know, European sensibilities or Canadian sensibilities, Australian sensibilities or anywhere in the world is always kind of taken into account. So I think for the U.S. it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge sometimes in other regions because because yeah. it's it's you know, quite possibly the most diverse nation in the world. So it's just something you have to, you know, work through. Yeah, I mean, um, so for a lot of our premium comics, we import them from Korea and China. Um, we localize them in-house. Um, but in terms of like our global expansion plans, like right now we just want to get the U.S. market right, and then we'll start thinking about, okay, how are we going to service uh, the content elsewhere outside of outside the U.S.? Yeah. Okay, so that, that leads me to my last question. Um, both companies are doing very well. Uh, what's the next step? Where do you go from here? Well, you know, we... Sorry, I just took a drink of water. Uh, you know, uh, we only think we've touched the tip of the iceberg, to be honest. Um, you know, 5 million monthly unique readers is nice. We see a much larger market um, as we expand our offering and as people become more aware that comics exist on their phone. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still sort of an awareness issue along with, you know, and in the, in the last, thanks, primarily I'll give that credit to Marvel, several years, like there's no stigma of geekery attached to comics the way there was, you know, when I was, cool. when I was in now school, right? Comics, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, the attendance of these conventions is insane. Um, the acceptance of this kind of content is, is fine. It's popular. Um, I think as people learn about it, it's just going to continue to grow. And then, you know, next steps for us are just continuing, you know, just continue to make great stuff and continue to pivot with the technology as, you know, Apple and Google dictate um, yeah. and the market dictates. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... You know, one of the things that's really beautiful is that we're in a very pri privileged position to produce comics. I mean, I think everyone here that's attending New York Comic Con would kill to have a job working in comics. Um, and I do think it behooves us to tell stories that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, and, I, and I do think that's what we're going to continue to be doing. And we continue to see that on Tapas and Webtoons, like stories that you might not traditionally find in a comic book shop. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think it challenges what people think about when they think of comics. And I think that's really what's going to help us get to like this next phase of expansion and readership. 
So now, I, it made me, something that Michi said uh, struck a chord with me, and then I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, when you become a fan of a certain uh, artist, writer, um, any type of title, uh, you want to own what they, what they create. Uh, you want to put it on your shelf. You want to hold it. You know, I recently had that with uh, Cynthia Von Bueller, the, one who, the woman who wrote the play that I'm in. It uh, started as a graphic novel. Now it's a, a show. But I also feel that way with uh, guys like Sean Murphy and, and Tim Sale. Like I, I love their artwork on my shelf. Um, and Mitchie said something recently, like when she was on the panel. I forget the name of her title. Sexy Tomorrow. Born sexy Tomorrow. Yeah. Born Sexy Tomorrow. Like something about um, making sure that that could be available to readers to to buy and to hold. And um, do the companies allow that avenue or provide paths to that? Um, and what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, I think when you start talking about this with bigger companies like webtoons tapas it's really all about scale like operating on scale um so uh if we are going to if we are going to invest in like printing comics we can't really do it at a small press scale we really have to do um partner with companies uh, like hashtag penguin random house in order to help with distribution printing costs storing the books i mean i can't imagine michi storing 500 two pound books in her apartment like that's crazy that would cave in the floor for my place for sure (laughs) um so yeah i I do think it's about uh companies like tapas webtoons Uh, we are able to do more business development network with bigger publishers and use those business relations to really open up more avenues for creators to achieve um, better distribution um and better scale uh in terms of print so creators retain their print rights uh, obviously and discover um we don't have a any kind of mechanism to right. help them get something into print. Uh, you know, for future creators, you know, there's a window on that um, because you're developing for the vertical format and, you know, y- you do need to develop natively for the vertical format in order to have success. Yes. Um, but when they do want to go to print, you know, Dean Haspiel has his book at Image, Red Hooks at Image Comics, Stephen McCraney's Space Boys at Dark Horse, uh, Tom Zaller just ran a successful Kickstarter for Warren Label. He's selling it downstairs in Artist Alley. Oh, wow. Um, the, the guys who do Spirits just ran a successful Kickstarter as well. They have that book with them when they're at conventions. Uh, if Artist Alley didn't sell out here, they would have been down here, here as well. So creators are permitted to do that after a certain window of time. Um, in terms of how we help with that, it, you know, it's really the creators often just take the initiative, but we can give advice you know and and make connections where we can Um, sometimes because they have such large readership a kickstarter is the way to go if they have sort of the the knowledge and the ability to get the thing done themselves Um, otherwise taking it to publishers just and explaining to them how popular it is um, you know is is pretty easy you know Dean won the Ringo last year for best webcomic and came here and hung out with Eric Stevenson and it's an image you know six months later and you know and I, I don't know how Stephen McCraney came into Dark Horse but that worked out well and that he'd been running that for so long um you know i'm I'm excited to get a copy myself it's out already i haven't picked it up but all right well let's get out there let's go buy some comics awesome thanks tom and mike you've been great thank you so much